gift giving can be overwhelming when you have too many choices. That's why Zenwadi is your Zen gifting solution. I know I never know what to buy for kids, but Zenwadi makes buying gifts for your family and friends simple with their personal gifting experience. Their curated gift boxes, like the Mindful Kids box, make gifting easy while also supporting women-owned businesses. So when you're planning your gifts this year, Zenwadi will have the perfect gift to connect you with your loved ones. You can use code BWWPS10 for 10% off when you're shopping for gifts on Zenwadi.com. That's Z-E-N-W-A-D-I.com. Make gifting simple with Zenwadi. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to But What Will People Say? I'm your host, Disha Mazeppa, and this is a podcast about South Asian interracial relationships and so much more. My guest this week is a South Asian wedding planner who specializes in fusion wedding planning. She is the founder of SB Events and Co. And we get into all of the details of where to begin with planning a fusion wedding. You got engaged. It was super fun. Now what happens? How do we figure out finances? How do we figure out food? How much do you spend? And where do you just where do you start? It's such an overwhelming process. So it was really great having her on and giving you some really practical advice on how to plan your perfect fusion wedding. If you are looking for wedding planning services, her link to her website and Instagram are all listed in the show notes. So just give it a click. And if you do happen to be planning a special event, whether that's a wedding, a shower, or a birthday party, Disha Mazeppa Designs now offers custom acrylic signage services. So if you want an acrylic sign, either a welcome sign, a listing of table placements, table settings, um, or even a bar menu, anything that you can print on acrylic, I can do for you. So if you're looking for anything like that, hit me up on Instagram. It's not up on my Etsy shop yet, but you can shoot me a DM on Instagram. And as a special thank you for all of you guys tuning into the podcast every week, you can get 10% off your first order from Disha Mazeppa Designs by using code BWWPS. So just let me know the code when you shoot me a DM and I will take 10% off your order. All right, let's get the show on the road. everyone. So we're here. We're doing another wedding episode, but this time it's going to be much more focused on fusion weddings. And joining us is a familiar face. Samia's back because she is also a wedding planner. Hi, Samia. Hi, Disha. I'm so glad to be back on What Would People Say? Did I forget the butt? But what would people say? (laughs) Um, I really enjoy your podcast and your platform. So I am so excited to be back. Thanks for coming back. I always love having familiar faces on. So we're talking about weddings. This yeah. is another side of you. You're a wedding planner. And you, you do you plan your own wedding? So fun fact, when I did plan my own wedding, but I wasn't a wedding planner back then. And I didn't have all of the knowledge and the experience as I do now. 
So I try to always bug my husband and tell him, let's do this again. You know, a redo. <laughs> um, he's definitely not on board with it, but I'm going to keep trying. And maybe in like 10, 20 years, he might want to like do a renewal. One. Yeah. A renewal. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been planning my renewal since before I planned my own wedding because I didn't get my destination wedding. So that's going to be my renewal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can do it any way you want for your renewal, basically. Yeah. Especially because you already made everybody else happy. So no one gets an opinion anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So I wish I knew everything I know now, but that's okay. I wouldn't change anything. You know, the planning part was a shit show. But that's fine. <laughs> it if was still fun. No, it's still <laughs> that's questionable. Um, so where do we begin? Where when you get engaged, it's all rainbows and butterflies until the wedding planning gets started. Where do we start? Yeah. So here's here's the thing, right? People get engaged and they get so excited that they literally start planning the next day. Like, you know, pinning everything and all of that. I always say, okay, slow down just a little bit and just enjoy what just happened, right? Yeah. You're engaged. You're with your fiance. Um, you know, you have this beautiful ring and enjoy the moment because once you start planning, it is a lot of work that's coming your way. A lot of different things you need to think about. So my first advice or suggestion is, to enjoy the moment. Take a couple of months and yeah. date. Just have fun being a fiance. And then after that, I would say the first step into planning is making sure you communicate with your partner first privately, right? And talk about what are your priorities for this wedding? What, you know, are you guys on the same page? If you're in two different cultures, two different religions, what are things that you that is important to you that you want to incorporate from each side, right? And this is just with your fiance before you go to anybody else, you know, that you start the conversation there. That way, when it's time to talk to family, you both can be on the same page and navigate that together, right? So talk to your partner, be on the same page, have a private conversation. After that, create your budget. You know, sometimes people say make your guest list first, but I think creating your budget is much more impactful and helpful because based on your budget, you can determine how many people you can invite and not invite. You know, like if, you're, if your budget is a certain amount and you're inviting 500 guests, like, you know, you're going to have to work with your guest count instead of just creating your budget first. So I would say create your budget. And then after that, go to your family, talk to each side of the family, because a lot of times, even for, for, okay, so for fusion weddings, it's a little different. You'll see that the couple themselves are also paying a lot of money out of pocket, but then you also have parents paying a lot of money out of pocket as well. The, the issue that comes up that I see a lot, and, you know, I've even been completely honest, you know, my own wedding when I got married, um, is that when there's a South Asian fusion wedding, so South Asian to another culture, the cost of these weddings are just very shocking to the other party, you know, because the other party can have a wedding which much less because there's one day event. 
with South Asian weddings, there's multiple days of events. So your expenses can really get high. So when you come to the table, talk to each side of the family and see first who is paying for what. Because if you don't have that upfront, it's really hard to keep going with your planning and trying to figure out what are we going to do financially. You know, it's like one of those uncomfortable conversations that you have to have. You know, if if your family's not paying for anything at all, that you really need to know that. And as small as like your shoes or your makeup or, you know, whatever it is that are, you know, maybe smaller things, not the venue or not your food and things like that. You just need to know upfront of who's paying for what. And then once that is done, then you start thinking about like your style, right? If you want something that's modern glam, you want something that's romantic European style, or you want something rustic or or outdoors, you start making a list of your must-haves of what you want from your venue. And then you start um, researching or going for site visits. But before that, if you have the budget to get a wedding planner, then I would highly recommend to get that wedding planner right in that beginning stages so that they can help with doing venue searches and negotiation con- negotiating contracts and everything like that. Yep. Those are the top things I would do as soon as soon as you get engaged and take some time to yourselves and you can start with the planning. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Mike and I even thought about wedding planning for the first like three months. We're like, no, we're just, we're good right here. We're good right now. And yeah. Then- how, when did you start your planning? <laughs> um. So we, we got engaged in September. That December, Mike and I had our little micro wedding in his living room with the white dress um, and everything. And my best friend got ordained online and married us legally. So that was our paper wedding. It was also our white dress wedding. Um, It was at his house. We got it catered. It was like 20, 25 of our closest friends and family. Um, And then my mom started looking for Indian venues um, or for the Indian wedding. Um, And then there was this whole thing with the astrologers and the date and all that crap. And it was like, when did we get married? 2019 was our Indian wedding. So 2018, December, we got legally married. July of 2019 was the Indian wedding. And it was in July on a Sunday because all the astrologers decided every other day of the year was not auspicious enough, which is hilarious because they all wanted me to do it in 2020. And look who was oh, wrong about that. Yes. <laughs> but look at you getting a head start into micro or intimate weddings. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I wanted. I honestly <laughs> didn't want like this, ex- this over the top, like 300 people that I don't even know. Like, yeah. And the thing is, realistically speaking i knew we didn't have the budget for something like that like i'll put it out there our wedding cost was less than forty thousand dollars for three days all the events um because i was like i'm not going into debt over a wedding it's one okay three days whatever and i'm not gonna put that pressure on my mom or michael's parents like i just wasn't gonna do it and I already didn't care what people thought, obviously. And so I was like, as long as I have the people that matter around me, like, 
it will be fine. And my big push was my photographers. That was my big thing. I was like, as long as you had a good photographer, they could make your day look absolutely Amazing. stunning. Yeah. You won't even have a price tag to your to your wedding when you have a good photographer. They can literally make their magic and work right. their magic. They make, make or it. break the yeah. image of your wedding. Exactly. But that's good because you knew exactly what you guys wanted to invest in, right? Out of your vendors was that really good photographer. So yeah. you allocate most of your budget there while in other places, you can go a little bit more cost effective, you know? Yeah. So no, that's great. Yeah, we made a list of non- days. Yeah, yeah, we made a no- list of like non-negotiables of things that like mattered, which was the photographer. And then the things that were most important to us that our parents maybe didn't agree with, we just paid for ourselves. Yeah. So we're like, you know, you guys don't have to cover that cost. And the things that my mom thought were really important, she paid for. And then we kind of negotiated everything in the middle. Yeah. Um, Because all of us put money into it, Mike and I and both of our families. Exactly. And that's the more modern way to do it nowadays, right? Like weddings are expensive. It's like almost what you would do to like put down on a house. Right. Right. And you're putting down on a wedding just for one day for a couple of hours. But that one day is a day that is very meaningful. You'll never forget it. And it's a day that comes, you know, at least once in your life. Um, So I feel like, you know, the investment is good to have, but I agree with you. Like, don't get into depth. Like, you don't want to go into your marriage. Like, there's a difference between wedding and there's a difference between marriage. Two different things. You don't want to go into marriage with debt. And I'm speaking from experience because, you know, some... Some people, because they're having a fusion wedding and the finances are very different from if you were to have like a traditional South Asian wedding. I'm sorry. It's okay. Did you hear that? Is that my dog? It's okay. okay. The finances are different. So sometimes couples have no choice but to like go get a loan or go use their credit card. But whatever you do, like do it within your means and, you know, doesn't matter what other people think. Because here's the thing. I always tell people, no matter how grand your wedding is or how intimate your wedding is, how great it is, how bad it is, people are always going to have something to say. Yep. Always. Right? So mm-hmm. do it your own way and do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> yeah. And I know that's easier said than done when there's so many chefs in the kitchen. But yeah. if it's not a day that's going to make you happy, if you're not going through that day on a good note, it doesn't matter. And I feel like you said like marriage is what comes after the wedding. And if you're going to start it in debt, and usually most people don't understand financial burden and the stress it puts on a relationship until you're in it. Yeah. And I feel like COVID has really highlighted that for a lot of people, like what finances and how big of a part they play in the foundation of your relationship and the impact they can have. So definitely- you have Not love really. and then you have finances that can really cause issues in the love. <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. Because yeah. reality will set in very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if we get our wedding planner, how do we um, figure out creating a budget? So you want to first make a list of everything that is a must-have, right? You have a venue. Unless, you know, now people are using their backyards and their homes, which is just as beautiful. You can make things work and maybe save 
on the venue part of it, right? So you make a list of all the must-haves and the big vendors, which are the venue, the catering, DJ, photography. If you want videography, and then like, you know, your other vendors like henna artists and makeup artists and everything like that. Once you make a list of all of the vendors that are needed, and if you don't have a planner, you can search online. There's also like different platforms now like Buildia. They have a lot of templates out there. Um, or you can just schedule like a consultation with a planner to so that they can help you to just get started. Um, and you create all of those lists of vendors. And then you start with your total budget, right? So if your total budget is like 70000 right? Let's say 70000 40% is usually put towards the venue. Uh, 40% of that total budget. So you take that 40, I would even say sometimes 50, depending on if you're having all of your other events in that venue, it could be a little bit more percentage wise of the allocation of the total budget. So you put that into the venue and then you, you start there and then you break down everything else. What's most important for any weddings, food is really important, right? So I would highly recommend to go, you know, allocate a lot of your budget there after your venue. And then based on that, just pick your top three priorities or top two priorities, whatever is important to you and your partner. Like if you guys think photography means the world to you, I would invest a little bit more into photography, but maybe you're like videography is great to have, you know, but we, you know, we don't need like top of the line, like we're okay going the cost effective direction. Then I would budget a little less for videography or try to find vendors that have a good deal offering both. Um, so you, that's how you start creating budget is you take that total amount and you start breaking it down little by little. But of course it has to make sense, right? So you want to pull up what your average cost is in your market. Every state is different. Every city is different. So you want to pull up what are the average costs. This way you have some type of guidance and you can get that online or I just highly recommend like doing a consultation with a planner just to kind of get them to help you get started. Yeah, definitely. Um, and using Excel. Excel is now Google Drive can keep everything. I don't know, Disha, what you used for your wedding, but I know for mine, I use Google Drive. And for all of my clients, we use Google Drive. Yeah. Um, make an Excel file and just revisit your budget every time you book a vendor. To kind of see where you're at. Yep. We had an Excel file. And then within that, like in Google Sheets on the bottom, you can have pages. Mm -hmm. So like every part, all the vendors had their own page. All of it was just in one big. Document. One big workbook. Yeah. It's like you can have all of your stuff in one place. And one last thing I would recommend for creating your budget is re leave room. So if you're at a $70,000 budget, right? Maybe try to be at like 60 or 65 yeah, exactly. so that you have that wiggle room in case you really love this vendor and you're like, I cannot get this vendor out of my mind and I really want this. Then you have that extra room to like, you know, kind of add to your budget. Yeah, exactly. Or like when you're on Pinterest mm -hmm. and you see that one thing on Etsy yeah. and you're like, I have to have this for my guests. I have to have this for my shower. Um, it definitely Pinterest helps. is very dangerous. Jeez. Yes. Right? Pinterest, like, is, Pinterest makes you think you're going to have like a $200,000 wedding. Yeah, but it's so great. Like it's definitely one of the tools that I always recommend like my clients yeah. to make sure they have so that 
you know, we can picture their vision. Exactly. And it's an easy way to understand what clients have in their mind, because I feel like most people don't know how to communicate what they want. But Pinterest is a great way to like, this is what I have in mind. Exactly. It's like a love hate relationship because Pinterest will, you know, make you think you can have this, but then the cost would be really, really high. And, and it's like some people can really start pitting a bunch of different pictures like okay I like this style and this style and now they have 10 different styles yeah so we as planners and like your decor vendors have to bring it all in together like tone it down bring it in (laughs) absolutely and then with the added bonus of having a fusion wedding now we're trying to combine different cultures um do you have any advice on unique ways to incorporate different cultures yes so you know, there's so many different cultures now. I, I feel like it, over the recent years, there's been such an increase in interracial or multicultural couples and marriages. So people can get really creative. Um, so I can't give you like exactly one way to do it because there's so many different cultures, but I can tell you to start with what's the tradition for each culture, right? Start with the tradition for each culture and write it down and start there and then pick and choose what you feel like is the most important from each culture and see where there's a common difference, right? And you'd be surprised of how many different cultures they, they have. They have ceremonies that mean the same thing. Like, for example, you know, for South Asian weddings, after you're done with the marriage, you have this ceremony and like a little celebration at the groom's house or at your hotel and you make it seem like it's the groom's place, like the groom's family is welcoming you in. Now, my social media manager, she's Korean and her um, husband is Nigerian or her fiance is Nigerian, right? So I've been reading about the Korean culture. They also have a ceremony and it's the ceremony of after you get married, your groom's family kind of throws you this little ceremonial celebration. So maybe you can fuse those two together. Also food, you can get really, really creative with food. I always recommend that if you are getting married at a hotel or a a venue that, you know, limits you to how many vendors you can bring like outside vendors, get with a, a South Asian caterer that can possibly do some fusion food like Indo. I don't know. Here in Texas, we have Indo Mexican, and it's delicious. Paneer tacos, like give me that. It's so good. Paneer that is, tacos, that's awesome. I'm coming. Yes. To Texas. Chicken tikka nachos, chicken tikka quesadillas. Like ha- make it fun, yeah. right? And then there's also Indo Chinese, or if you want, you can literally have two buffets of just one culture on each buffet line, you know, it will increase your budget. But the way you can handle that is maybe splitting the guest amount, right? And then now people are going to be like, well, what if both sides want to eat? So a lot of times you'll know your guests. So if it's the South Asian side, if you feel like they're going to eat the South Asian food, like majority of the time, that's what their main meal will be. So they'll just taste test the right. next one, right? So maybe split your guest list and try to get really fun with the food. Um, another place you can really fuse cultures together is your dessert table, right? Yeah. Who doesn't love dessert? Like 
they those in the dessert tables you can have so many different um desserts that are like from your cultures and make an international dessert table so there's there's different things you can do to like fuse those fun things um as far as ceremony goes um let's say you're having like a hindu ceremony right you can talk to a priest and you always have to talk to your priest and your officiants before you know making your decision because you want to make sure they can do something like this maybe they can your priest can incorporate vows you know like we don't really have vows in um like south asian weddings like in the actual marriage ceremony like vows where you each say your own vows right but in like an american wedding you're allowed to have your own vows and write your own vows and s- incorporate those incorporate it in your hindu ceremony incorporate it in your nikah there's a way to do it get both of your officiants and your or your priests together to come up with that plan for you right and then then another thing is like at the end of the ceremony and i have some couples doing this an american ceremony at the end you have a kiss right but you won't see us kissing in the south asian culture in front of all these people but hey if you're if you're up for that have that you know you can also like use your mandap for and if you want to keep it completely separate ceremonies you can use your mandap for the hindu ceremony and maybe make some very minor changes to the mandap and come back for your your um American style ceremony. I would say like western style ceremony, right? This way you can save some cost or set up a whole new altar. And here's the thing, a lot of people they start feeling stressed out when they're fusing two cultures together. If that's the case, then do it separate. You know, it it doesn't it's there's no right or wrong, but I will say when you're fusing a culture together for a wedding, you're really bringing an experience for the guests and for the families that they're going to remember because it's not like any other weddings. It's something that you guys created together. Yeah. And I always say like if you have a fusion wedding, there's really no rules left, so okay. do whatever you want. Right? You're all, you know, you're already doing something different, so might as well go for it. And you can also get creative in your outfits, you know, like if you want to have Oh, you know, it, here's the thing. Oh, you know, in American weddings, it's the white dress, right? But then a white dress can mean something else to our South Asian culture, right? Yeah. It it's used for funerals. Yep. You know, at least in the Bengali culture, you know, yeah. you wear white to a funeral, so sometimes it's frowned upon. But, you know, you can make things work if you want like a white langa or like white with red and want to mix in, you know, fuse your dresses. and your bridesmaids and all of that it can get it's it can get really fun doing all yeah, that. Yeah, especially with a lot of these like Indo-Western fashion brands that like do a really nice job of making like western style dresses but they'll use South Asian mm-hmm. fabrics and they'll combine the styles and they're really beautiful and yeah. some of them are fairly cost effective. Um so you're they're not super super expensive. Um Yeah. yeah. And and it's again, you know, it depends on culture, right? So I have a client who's um Mexican and Indian. The guy is South Indian, 
the uh, bride is Mexican. So they're doing the whole Indo-Mexican food for the sangeet, right? Like trying to mix it up. They're having taco station. They're having hot churros, paneer tacos, and all just all so these fun. fun things. Um, Gobi Manchurian tacos. So it like, and it's good. And the caterer that we chose, um, it's an Indian caterer. They make a lot of fusion food. They even make sushi. I, I never tasted that, but well, like an Indian inspired sushi. Um, so we went with them and in their Sangeet, they're incorporating all that. But for all of the other events, they're going to have it separate buffets, you know, like they're going to have a buffet for Mexican food and for Indian food for like their ceremony, lunch and their reception dinner. Then they're also bringing mariachi brand, right? That incorporates the Mexican culture, some folk dancers, um, just for like entertainment and incorporating some of the traditional uh, things that they do in like Mexican weddings, like the money dance. And I think there's a lot of different fun things and they're all trying to incorporate this together and it helps to have a planner to kind of think all of those through and, you know, we can just get really creative. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing is finding vendors that are willing and also understand both cultures. Cause I found when we were wedding planning, the South Asian vendors just did not grasp like a Western ceremony or even Western culture too much when it came to weddings. And then our, if we went to vendors that mostly did American weddings, they just like didn't even know where to begin with a Hindu ceremony. And so, I mean, it was a lot of work, but we did find people that could do it. Um, but the hardest part, was the officiants finding priests that are willing to do and also understand how to do interfaith ceremonies was really tough finding a hindu priest who was w- willing to do the ceremony in english knew how to do it in english like how to translate it um it was tough and it, we ended up having a different priest for the santa the day before and then the actual ceremony the day of Okay, for for the Satak, did you get somebody more traditional? Um, so he has said he was willing to do it in English, mm-hmm. but he we had he did another ceremony like a gatha somewhere that we went to, and turned out he was not very good okay. um, at it. And so we we're like, so you can stick around for the Santa because we already have you for that, but like not the wedding day. Yeah, and yeah. just made that call. Yeah, um, that is that is a tough area um, of wedding planning for a lot of interfaith couples. You know, there's Muslims, there's Hindus, like that's a part where I always tell my couples, you have to be flexible and open minded on where you're going to get your priest. That means that if you don't have any in your area, kind of be willing to look outside, you know, outside of the states or kind of putting your budget to allocate it to having a priest that is able to consider both sides and do your wedding. It's so hard to find. Um, But they are out there. They're out there because there's a lot of fusion weddings going on nowadays, right? So you want to first look and see, you know, where you can find somebody that can incorporate English that everybody understands, 
even if they use Sanskrit, there's a way to still explain right before each, you know, thing that they're doing in the program, each ceremonial um, thing that they're doing in the program, they can explain what's about to come up, right? And once they explain what's about to come up and you have programs, a programs are a must for a few weddings, right? When, When everybody's following a program, like it's easier because he can say, okay, this is coming up and this is why we're doing it. Very brief, one or two liners, and then keep going with the ceremony, right? Or even taking the most important part of the ceremony and doing it in English, you know, if that's even possible for the priest. So finding priests like these, I would use resources like Google, right? I would also use resources like now there's so many out there. I wish there was when I got married. But, you know, there's um, the Sawyer group on Facebook. There's LBD weddings and events. Like look out there and see who has personal experience with the priest, right? That way you're comfortable with it. And pick your priest. Now, if you don't have the budget to fly in anybody from elsewhere, when you pick a priest, make sure you and your partner privately have a meeting with the priest and kind of have ask questions like, have you done interfaith weddings before? You know, have you done interracial weddings before? You know, because it sometimes even interracial weddings, they would still have to incorporate English and explain things in a very different way. Um, ask those right questions and then select your, your priest. Another thing is using resources out there. So like for a Muslim wedding, right? If, if a Muslim woman is marrying somebody non-Muslim, it is so hard. It's like, it, it's one of those things where your partner has to convert for the wedding and not everybody wants to do that. Right. So it makes it really hard for the woman to get married, but there's resources out there. There's there's some imams that are in different states like Chicago, New York, and you can either use them digitally now, virtual, or you can allocate your budget to have them come out. There's an organization called Muslims with Progressive Values. They have a listing of all the imams. They also have connections to Hindu priests that do Hindu Muslim weddings. And this organization, they've done Jewish Muslim weddings, Jewish Hindu weddings. They've done um, Christian Muslim and anything that you can think of, they have done it. And they have experience on how to include both cultures, both religions, and make something really unique for you. And I would say reach out to those resources. Um, The most important thing is, you know, if you connect with them you connect with the priest more than anything. Yeah, definitely. And I think the private meeting with the priest is super important because Mike and I did that as well. And it wasn't just a good gauge of like, oh, are you a good fit? But he had to, one, do the meeting in English so we can get an idea of that because Michael (laughs) obviously doesn't speak Gujarati. And he also had to explain things to Michael. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really quick kind of gauge of like, where are we at here? Like how much, what can we work with? Are you going to be able to do this so that all of our guests, you know, know what's happening. You're able to explain things um, and also connect with your priest and make sure there's somebody you want to work with. Yeah. And I always recommend for fusion weddings to have a rehearsal, no need for rehearsal dinner or anything fancy like that. 
have your priest run a rehearsal for everybody that's involved in the wedding ceremony. Both parents this way, pictures, they don't look awkward or, you know, the other side, you know, they're not feeling clueless about what's about to happen. I promise you it makes things a lot more smoother when you're up on stage and you have them pretty engaged. And I will also tell you that your other side of the non-South Asian, they're, they're already coming into something very different. So they're going to be engaged the whole time. So, you know, having a priest there that can explain things in English or just give a very short, brief, you know, uh, description of what's going on before he starts it in Sanskrit, like that'll be very helpful for them to like stay. Because even if you have a program, you get lost because you're like, well, I don't know what's happening now. And yeah. now it's a it's almost a two hour ceremony that people are really not used to. So um, I I with you on meeting your priest because we did that for when we got married with the imam. Um, we met with him and we made sure that we connect with him. And one of my things were, I want you to explain things in English and do the nikah in English. You can do the prayer in Arabic, but what he did was he did the whole nikah in English and then he did the Arabic, the prayer in Arabic, but also translated to English. And everybody was praying. Like even the non-Muslims had their hands up like this and they were, they were praying with us. Um, so I thought it was pretty neat and it helped, uh, to me, it helped because the imam was married to somebody who was Mexican and who converted to Islam, you know, so she kind of understood the whole having like intercultural yeah. marriages. So absolutely. Um, but going off of that, once we get past finding our vendors, finding our priest, Within all of that, there's always a bit of family drama. Oh, yeah. How do we navigate that when there's so many people's opinions, especially from different cultures on the table? Gosh, that one's a hard one. I, I feel like not just fusion weddings, but weddings in general. There's so many, right? Because our parents have expectations and we have our own wants and needs on it. So first, I think going back to what I had said in the very beginning, private discussion with your um with your significant other right with your fiance i would even say seek a therapist because this is the time where it's really stressful because some you know some couples they want to do what their parents want them to do or they have to because financially their parents are funding the wedding it's really hard mentally like it's very stressful Find a therapist early on because you will need it through your wedding planning process. Find that therapist early on, or even if it's like a couple's therapy or whatever it is, find it so that your mind can can handle it because it's hard, right? We can't change our parents. They're never going to change. They're going to stick to what they want. So finding that that you know that person that you can go to and vent is really helpful. Um, but once you and your partner are on the same page, you talk to your families and be willing to listen, you know, because sometimes they just want to be heard, right? And they want to know that you're considering some of the things that they want you to have. And go in with that list that you made early on of what's must have for you and see what their list is. So make their list of what's must have for them. 
then go back and you and your partner, you know, try to figure out what can be possible and what can't be possible. And it's easier said than done, but it really helps to have it laid out from both parties, right? And one of the big things is be willing to compromise. That's the only way to do this, right? Being able to compromise on some things um, from the family side and maybe going an extra mile of, of explaining why something needs to be done a certain way. Um, I'm trying to think of like an example for, for, okay. So this one's, this one's a funny one. So, you know, for Muslim weddings, we're not allowed to have alcohol, right? But I wanted alcohol there just for my friends and maybe Jacory's side of family and, you know, other people, maybe just like a beer and wine bar. And we brought it in ourselves. Right. And so I had to, my parents were like, well, that's not allowed in the weddings. I'm like, but that is allowed in other weddings, like non-Muslim weddings, you know? So I'm like, well, here's the thing. We want to make sure our guests and, you know, Jacory's family have a great time. Let's, let's incorporate this. And I tell them, I'm like, Jacory's family would really like to have this as a part of the wedding. And they were like, okay. And then I'm like, well, we're already doing all of this for the South Asian part of the wedding can we incorporate something that they actually want, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to be like the mediator between the families. And to be honest, like, I feel like the partner needs to talk to their own families, right? Like your, your fiance has to talk to his family or her family. And you guys have to deal with it with your own families. You can't speak for each other. It just makes things a little bit more muddy. Yeah. Definitely. That's how we had to handle it. Michael spoke to his family. Mm -hmm. I spoke to mine, but I feel like there was a point where like, even to this day, my family, just because like Michael's a guy, think he thinks he like runs the show, (laughs) which he doesn't. And but like, are you saying you run the show, Bisha? You wear the pants. Uh, no, actually, he does run the show. But like, in the whole wedding, like wedding situation, like, it was almost almost easier to have Michael talk to my parents when it came to things his family wanted, where he was like, listen, this is really important to us. Like, this is what we want to have. My mom was much less willing to argue with him than with me about it. <laughs> so it, I don't know. There were times where I just made Michael talk to my family too. Um, yeah. And and if you have that dynamic, then, you know, then yeah, go, go for that. Um, but sometimes, you know, because families don't really know each other that well, or they might not know your partner well, it can yeah, sometimes come like. Right. Like away. if it was going to be an <laughs> argument, I wasn't going to let Michael get involved. Yeah. But like, yeah, the tougher decisions, it was definitely, I talked to my family, you talked to yours, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, and I, I also would say, this is really hard to do. This is really hard to do, but don't compare family financial contributions. Yeah. Right. Because it's not the same. Because traditionally for American weddings, um, the bride's family is paying for it, right? While the groom's family is paying for transportation or lodging or band and entertainment. And of course, it depends on religion too, like what your weddings are. But the more you compare the family contributions, 
it you can you start you start coming to this mental space of like being really really upset and sad about it like okay oh my parents are putting in all of this money but the other side is not well what else can the other side do that's maybe not monetary you know they're not used to paying for all all this money for a wedding or maybe they never even thought that their child would have a wedding that cost you know this much money so what are other things can they help with centerpieces can they make something for you you know can they support you elsewhere um so that's a big thing like don't compare financial contributions from parents but it is harder you know it's easier said than done but it's something like you have to mentally yeah keep in your mind throughout planning definitely because i feel like as south asians we're used to these really large extravagant weddings and if you marry someone who's not their family probably isn't financially ready to contribute that much or doesn't right. value the day of the wedding to cost that much. It's not that they don't value marriage, but like exactly. why like they have no interest in spending that much money on a wedding. And honestly, right. if they don't understand it and it's not their culture, for them to then fund it is a big ask. It's a huge ask. And, you know, they're probably thinking like they're probably worried that, you know, this is just so much money that you guys can put elsewhere. Right. Like right. A house. Everybody talks about a house, yeah. you know, a wedding in a house, or you can save it for, you know, a honeymoon or whatever the case is. But so that's where it gets really sticky. And you just have to understand the difference in the cultures. Yeah. You know, and try to find something that's non monetary that they can do. And I'm sure they would love to help. Yeah. You know, and sometimes even explaining just like the cultural differences I felt like got in the way. Like when we were wedding planning, I remember. Mike's family, they understood that it would be a couple days and they're like, oh, like they knew the henna wasn't like religious. Right. And so his family was like, you know, we would love to host that because it's like that's something we understand. Like we can open up our backyard. They have like a huge patio and stuff. And they're like, we can do that. But my mom just like wouldn't get it, you know, and they were ready to like help cover all of that cost and everything. But my mom was just like, no, like our family's not going to be comfortable going to his house and like they don't know his family and his culture. And it was really hard to not let Mike's family take it personally. And that my mom just like, this is what she wanted. And for me, I was just like a little part of me was just happy that like she was letting me be with Mike without having a tantrum. So I was just like, just like let her have it. And like, I'm sorry. And like, so they ended up contributing in other ways. But even just like, navigating that like really awkward like we get that it's not religious we get that you are trying to be accommodating but it was just like and so then like we compromised and Michelle ended up throwing me a bridal shower because I was like I didn't really want a shower but like it was important to her so Mike's mom went ahead and because traditionally the bride's mom does the shower right um but she was like I really want you to have a shower so she did that instead yeah absolutely and that goes a long way right like without her you will probably wouldn't have a shower right so I I think that it gets and I completely understand like your mom's point maybe she was thinking like the guests won't feel comfortable or whatever the case is but see that's the compromise that you know you guys had made and you have to be willing to make that another thing is when you have conversations with your family get everything in writing because the wedding planning process is so long 
right? And ideas are in and out of your parents' head. Like if you have something in writing, you guys can, when you have conversations throughout the process, you can go back to it and see what you guys talked about. Um, And then at the end of the day, I always say like, do what you want to do, whether you want to give the wishes of your parents and you want to do that, do it. There's no right or wrong. But at the end of the day, just remember that you cannot accommodate everybody. If you're going to try to accommodate everybody exactly the way they want, it's going to be a process that's not fun for you. And another thing is get a wedding planner or somebody that is helping you plan your wedding, whether it's your bridesmaids or your friend. Because I feel like during a lot of the family drama part, if there's an external person that comes in with ideas, I'll tell you, I love working with parents. Like parents will listen (laughs) to me and, you know, they'll get a different perspective because all of this time you guys are maybe arguing or having disagreements. You need somebody else to like come in the picture and kind of give ideas and tell you why this could happen or why this may be tough to happen. Like, you know, just to get a third party and we we always brought along at least one of the bridesmaids. <laughs> yeah. At least one of them was always in the room. Right. Um, they can they can mediate. They can I mean I've been in so many meetings with clients where they start arguing like crazy and it's kind of awkward for me because I'm just like okay, but I stay quiet and let it down and maybe say something like, okay, you know, let's table this and and talk about it later and move on to the next. And so that they can like calm down and get it out of their mind. So yes, having somebody like your bridesmaids or a trusted family member with you. Yeah, exactly. And especially because I had a mix up of bridesmaids that were like just American and then bridesmaids that were also South Asian. And so sometimes it helped to have them in the room because they could sort of explain things to both sides because they also grew up here, right? Yeah. And so they were able to talk to the families once in a while. (laughs) Um, But right now, it's 2021, and we are still in COVID wedding season. It adds a whole other level to all of the craziness that wedding planning is. Do you have any advice for the COVID brides? Um, yes, you can still get married. It may not look the same as you had envisioned or you had originally planned, but you can get very creative and have just as a beautiful, like just as beautiful wedding than when it's not COVID time, when it's pre-COVID. You can first look at what are the CDC guidelines or what are the government guidelines in your local area? That's a huge thing, right? If you're in the UK right now, you can't have a wedding of more than six people, right? So if you're in a different state, I'm not sure about New York, but one of the states, you can't have more than 50 people or 10 people. So, um, So definitely know what your area guidelines are so you're not breaking and CDC shows up at your house. Um, And know the CDC guidelines. And then be open to different ideas, as in be open to having something in your backyard. Be open to having something outdoors. And if outdoors is not an option, if you're still having to do it indoors at a venue, 
revisit your guest list. The, your guest list is what's going to make the huge difference for your wedding. And there's different resources. There's live streaming weddings, Zooms, that people from all over the world can join. And a lot of times when you cut your guest list, you're, you're making your guest list shorter for the safety of everyone, right? For all of your family members overseas and anybody who has some pre-existing conditions and you don't want them there, you're making it safer for them and give them a, um, an opportunity to join in virtually and watch you at least get married. Send them like a little gift or a little box invitation with goodies in it and a little card with the link to the Zoom or like a virtual invitation. Send it to all of your family members that are not able to join you physically and let them join in and Zoom and you can still make it interactive. You can make it do a speech, have them do a speech and have them do performances and you do performances and they can watch it. Right now with technology in this world, Weddings can happen. And honestly, I don't think this live streaming things are going anywhere because now people are starting to see that, hey, we can have weddings and still have our family join in from India that cannot come or from anywhere in the States that can't come. And I kid you not. So a lot of people, their struggle is cutting down that guest list because they don't want to offend anybody or make anybody sad. But go through your guest list and see who are overseas. These are people that are probably going to have a tough time coming, right? Who are the elders in the family? They're probably, they're honestly, they're probably scared to come and they don't right. want to tell you, right? They feel obligated to show up and they just don't know how to tell you that they're not feeling comfortable because they don't want to make you feel down about your day, right? So may, so you giving them the option of joining in virtually can make a lot of your guests feel relieved, right? And then... At your wedding, have things like masks, have hand sanitizers available, making sure that people are at least wearing masks when they're going up to the food line, you know, and getting food. If you're having a buffet, even if it's at home, get it served by your caterer, have them serve the food on their plates, try to social distance the tables, have signs everywhere. That's like the only thing that is in your control, right, is having things available to people that want to use it. And if you're the brides, like I have some brides that are very, you know, conscious about COVID and they're like, everybody must wear a mask when they're not eating and drinking. Tell your coordinator to, you know, look out for people that don't have their mask and kindly tell them to please put on a mask. The bride and groom would like, you know, for this party to be safe. If you say anything about a bride and groom want you to do something, they will do it. So just to like make you happy. So, you know, saying those things, having your DJ announce every now and then like, hey, you know, we want to have this party going and keep it fun for everybody and fun and safe for everybody. Put your mask on and keep your distance. Get creative with your dance floors. You don't need one big dance floor anymore. You can get dancing pods, right? You can get little dancing pods around in the dance floor and make it like that. Or have more performances. That way your guests are sitting and have a shorter dance floor time. I know it's not ideal, but, you know, yeah. it can it can work. It's it's These are the things that we're going to have to do now and probably for the rest for of this year. And even then, in 2022, things might get normal, but it's going to take some time for people to adjust. Like, 
we've been doing this for a year. Our our habits have changed. Our way of thinking has changed. It's going to take some time to, for people to start getting comfortable. But that doesn't mean you stop your wedding and get creative, have an open mind and do it. Like just because you have a small wedding doesn't mean you can't have a luxury wedding. To me, a luxury wedding would be like kind of focusing on like little customizations, you know, something where you have your initials or for the guests, some guest experiences. You can allocate a lot of your funds to like really good food, like a food experience or, you know, whatever is important to you, like um, customized nameplates that they can take for party favors, whatever it is, you can really put your budget into that guest experience for a smaller intimate wedding and they're more fun. So Yeah, exactly. I think the smaller weddings just lets you reallocate your budget to other things. Um, I know because I do customization services. Um, I've worked with a few families that are having weddings and they're mm-hmm. having customized sort of like goodie boxes being yes. mailed out filled with treats and snacks and like nuts and fruit and I'm making like custom labels for all of that and yeah. so now it's going to be you know in this little gift box that gets sent out to everybody so they can still participate the day of the wedding little popcorn cones and things yeah. like that so, um, and those are fun because these are different. So people get excited. Like, right. oh, it's not just another wedding. Yeah, it's not just another wedding. And get creative. May, maybe even get your guests from over the world in, involved by having performances and things like that. Maybe have them dress up for yeah. their day. There's so many. There's yeah, so many I've seen bridal showers where like the favors. So the theme, one of the showers I saw was lemon themed. Oh. and on every place setting at the shower was a hand sanitizer that was lemon scented, but they replaced the tag with a custom sticker that said like the bride shower with the whole lemon theme still going. It fit right in. Every single guest got one. And it was a nice way to incorporate just keeping everyone safe, but also sticking with the theme, just a fun little add on. Um, It's just a matter of taking the time to switch gears a little bit and see how you can do things differently and still make it fun. Exactly. And if you want to go like some couples really want to take it up way up is there's actually COVID tests that you can get for your wedding. They're a little pricey, but you can get it from this one company and you can have maybe a health professional that you know from your guests do the COVID test. They wrap it. You get it in 10 minutes. Um, and you have to work with a coordinator for something like to like plan yeah. something like that. But there are weddings here in Texas where people are actually doing COVID testing at the wedding. Yeah, um, we're we're invited to a wedding where every guest is going to be tested. Yeah, yeah. And then you're good to go. Yep. And then, of course, you can't 100% avoid anything, right? right? But you're doing things that make people comfortable to still enjoy your wedding. And you're taking some type of precautions. Exactly. And I think at the end of the day, just being okay with everyone's response to it, because you might invite some guests, and they might even be in your bridal party that still think, you know, they're just not comfortable enough to be there. And just being okay with different people's comfort levels, because there are some people that haven't left their house in a year, they haven't gone out to eat, they haven't done those things that maybe you are comfortable doing and just respecting people's boundaries, and still moving forward. And you can also get like wristbands or pins that are different colors, right? So one color would mean that the person is very COVID conscious, like they want to stay six feet apart, no hugs. 
But then you'll have another color where people are like, yeah, I'm good with giving hugs right now. So just like, just so your guests can know each other's comfort level, you know, that's also a way to really incorporate like your guest experience. Yep. And that's a really easy way to make sure everyone's on the same page Mm -hmm. as everybody else. And you do the best that you can do. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. I love micro weddings. I'm the person who wanted one before COVID, but. I want to see pictures of that, Disha. I haven't seen pictures of your micro wedding. Um, It was very small. Um, That's okay. uh, (laughs) We didn't have like a photographer. We did have it catered and stuff. My uncle brought his like camera and everything. Yeah. Um, But most of our pictures, we actually did them on Polaroids. Oh, that's so cool. That's kind of where we have them. That's why they're not really shared online is just. Take a picture of it. and Yeah. I loved the idea of being able to just like give everyone like one of those disposable cameras and like document their wedding experience. So just because it was so small, we just did Polaroids. So Um, did they give those cameras back to you? I had them. Okay. So I just left them on a table. My cousins grabbed them and just started like taking pictures. And then my cousin, my uncle has like um, a professional camera. Um, and so he did some like cute pics and it was very low key. We uh, we didn't even tell anybody. Like, there were a good amount of people who had no idea that we were married. Yeah, I had no idea that you you did something like that because I only yeah. see pictures of like your Indian wedding. You know? Yeah, I it was just one of those things where I'm just not the girl who was built to be a bride, and I want like that's what we wanted and that's what we did, and I just didn't feel like anyone else needed to know. Yeah, but micro weddings are amazing. Like, yeah. they're so relaxed. and you can make them so elegant and you can really get extravagant without like breaking the bank exactly exactly your money can go a very very long way and if you have more guests you can do a live stream i don't think live stream is going anywhere yeah nowhere now exactly and you can customize everything and it's small enough where if you wanted to diy things it's like a manageable amount um so as the queen of DIY here, <laughs> that was about it. But yeah, I think we've just about covered it all. Yeah. We're... Is there any last bits of advice you'd like to leave people with? Um, I would say that enjoy as much as possible with the whole uncertainty that we have going on right now and invest in areas that are most important to you. Get a day of coordinator or even assign your bridesmaids or somebody that is very trustworthy and organized to help you through your wedding. You don't have to get a wedding planner. You don't have to get a day of coordinator if your budget doesn't allow. But at the same time, get somebody else so that on your day, you don't have to be bothered. People don't have to come up to you for questions and they can't call you and they can't text you either. So I just think it's it's helpful to have like that person um, yeah. throughout the process and just enjoy. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing some of that wisdom yeah. with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Disha, for having me back on here. This is awesome. Of course. <laughs> and if people wanted to find you and your services, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, it's SB Events and Co on instagram our website is on there we're also on facebook um and all of our contact information is on there so definitely reach out to us add us dm us email us just say hello 
um, and we have free consultations. So it really helps to kick off planning. Perfect. And all of that will be in the show notes as well. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. If you want more information about wedding planning, we did do a short wedding series all the way in the beginning of this podcast. Episodes three through eight are all fusion wedding planning episodes. I go through my wedding with my maid of honor. I have photographers on. I have a makeup artist on. Um, and we get into a lot more details. So if you want more information, definitely check those episodes out. Make sure you check out Samia and her event planning services. You can check me out on Instagram at disha.mazeppa. Shop my Etsy shop, Disha Mazeppa Designs. And leave us a review on iTunes if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you guys next time. Bye. This podcast is hosted and produced by Disha Mystery Mazeppa. Music for the show was created by Crexwell. Thank you.